Hello all and welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Kubal. Today I have me a very special guest, Angela Henry. Angela, how are you doing today? Oh, excellent, excellent. I'm so glad that we could rearrange and get you in. My wife's like, she knows I always get very anxious when I have to do that with authors. I'm like, I, I have like certain things that I think about through the week, you know, sometimes I arrange people for interviews in terms of how I'm thinking about my writing week. So there were some questions I wanted to ask you in particular. She's like, is that going to mess you up? Like doing it early in the week? Uh, I'm like, no, that's okay. I'm really interested in mysteries and thrillers. And, you know, I haven't gotten yet too many people, you know, who have been interested in the same type of writing. So I'm really interested to pick your brain today. So thank you so much for coming. Yeah, yeah, anytime, anytime. And we'll go right in with that first question. What has your writing journey been like up until this point? from the library called the Literary Marketplaces. It's like a couple hundred dollar book. So everyone would just get it from the library. It would list agents, who they represented, what their um, query guidelines were like. So I made a list of like 12 and I was able to get an, uh, a literary agent from a prominent agency in that first batch. But unfortunately, after about a year and a half, she still wasn't able to sell my book. Um, I don't think she was really interested in representing me. I found out later that the agency that she worked for, they all acquired clients by committee. So everyone had to agree. And she was a low person on the totem pole. So I think she got me. And, you know, I don't think she was particularly interested. She ended up ghosting me. And to this day, I have no idea what happened to her. But um, then I was able to a couple of years later, sell that book myself to another publisher. Um, previously to that, I got impatient, you know, as, as authors do. I, I wanted That's to be fair. published. You know, self-publishing wasn't viable back then. You know, if you wanted to self-publish a book, people looked at you, you know, it was the last act of the desperate and untalented. So um, I unfortunately hooked up with the Vanity Press that published the book. It was terrible. There was no editing. I think there was like a typo in the first paragraph. Oh, wow. The cover was horrible. There was no distribution. So, you know, that was a lesson learned. So fortunately, I was able to get my rights back from that Vanity Press. Oh, I was able to sell that book myself to another publisher. They offered me a three book deal. Um, book one, and by the time book two came out, they had been acquired by a larger publisher. So after I was offered a second three book deal, I was a little worried about it, but um, when they offered me the second three book deal, I thought, oh, well, you know, this is going to be okay. This was, I won't mention the publisher, but they were acquired by a much larger romance publisher. Mm. Um, and they got rid of all their mystery writers, including me. So my second three book contract was canceled. Excuse me. And that's when I pretty much decided I'm just going to self-publish this series, you know, try and place other books um, with, with the traditional publisher, but I decided just to hold on to the rights to my 
mystery series and I'm up to book six now. Oh, wow. So I created my own publishing company, uh, Boulevard West Press, to, to publish that. So um, in the meantime, I had written books outside of that series. Uh, one was called The Paris Secret, which was a kind of a paranormal thriller. Um, that was placed with a different division. Um, it was called Karina Press. It was a digital first press. Um, those were starting to pop up all over the place. Um, so I was able to get some other books placed with traditional publishers, but I just didn't have a great experience working with the publisher. Um, they have a particular business model, um, different from indie and, you know, traditional publishers, they give you a very low royalty rate. You know, they, they, they edit your book, um, you'll get a cover and all of that. So you don't have to worry about any of that, but you get a very low royalty rate. And the thing that I don't like about traditional publishing, um, digital presses are better, but traditional publishers, their job is to sell your book to retailers, you know, bookstores, online retailers, libraries. There's no direct to consumer relationship built between a traditional publisher and readers. Now that's why a lot of indie authors are able to thrive because they're directly able to create that communication, that relationship, you know, directly to their readers. And that's something that I think traditional publishers still have a long way to go on. So I decided to go the complete indie route. Um, if I do ever write for another publisher, it will be a digital press. It won't be traditional publisher because people don't realize, yeah, when you go the traditional route, they pay you an advance up front, but until you earn back that advance, you don't get a dime in royalties. And a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't earn back your advance, you're kind of considered damaged goods and they probably won't buy another book from you. So um, right now I'm fully indie. So I kind of came full circle, you know, from wanting to be traditionally published back to, you know, doing my own thing. Yeah. That's so interesting. You said so much there. I'm going to have to go back and listen to it too. Cause I, I study, I like to study the industry in general. Like I had went to a really cool interview um, with like a live interview at a book signing with like Kevin Hearn, uh, Brian McCallum, when he first came out, Brandon Sanderson had just written way of Kings. It hadn't even like, I think it was out like a week. Um, so it wasn't really like a thing yet. Uh, Patrick Ruthfuss was in the name of the wind. I had no idea who it was. I just thought his book looked cool. Um, there were uh, quite a few people there um, from India as well. And it was so interesting to see, this is about nine years ago. For me, it's so interesting to see where some of them were compared to now. I mean, it's like, it's astronomical. And some of them, you know, like Brandon have went, I always called it the Brandon Sanderson method, who, you know, he's so hybrid now, you know, and a lot of people like Kevin J. Anderson, you know, do the same thing where it's like, they're just not, you know, someone like Kevin J. Anderson, it's like, you know, of Star Wars fame, you just assume that he's going to get a high royalty check, you know, like they used to, but he's like, yeah, they don't do that anymore, even for someone like me. And I just think it's interesting that you said that, because I just think a lot of people think they're still going to get, maybe they do, you know, but I feel like it's very rare nowadays that even if you're an established veteran, you know, who are, is going to sell a lot of books or, you know, right really well it's like they're not even getting a you know a big royalty check well and you know and the traditional model works very well for some authors um but it's kind of 
you know, a few, few, few and far between. Most authors are what's called mid-list. And, you know, they're not earning their living from writing, you know, it's probably a side hustle, or they probably still have a day job. And that was me, you know, I'm retired now. So that's the only reason why I'm a full time writer. But, um, but yeah, the traditional model, you know, the great thing about being published now is you can go about it in so many different ways, you can be traditionally published and still self publish, you can be hybrid, you can um, do online serials, you know, you can do you know, pretty much whatever you want now. And, you know, when I first started out, it was, you know, this is the only way, this is the only way you're ever going to be published. And if you don't do it this way, then you'll never be published. And um, another thing that you learn very quickly when you're trying to go the traditional route is that your book can be rejected for reasons that have absolutely nothing to do with the quality of your writing. If the marketing department can't figure out how to market it, if it's too cross genre, you know, they're going to be like, no, sorry. If they have a book similar to yours, that didn't do well. Um, then again, it's no, if it's going to too closely compete with something that they already have out there, it's going to be a no. So and then, you know, as an author, you just take all that rejection to heart and you think you're not good enough. And yeah, I mean, there's there's all different ways now. And that wasn't the way when I first started. I just think it's interesting that you mentioned that. I just feel like uh, the Golden Compass, you know, is, is a and like his dark materials are, you know, just a great example of like you go into a bookstore, a used bookstore, and that book can be in five different genres you know and it's interesting to me that that one was traditionally traditionally published i think if it was you know a different year a different publisher they probably wouldn't have done that that one wouldn't like he wouldn't have done so well you know and it's it's interesting and i try to you know point that out a lot on here just to show people like you know this person today probably would have had to have gone indie or something at a different time period so sometimes i think you're right i think it's it's timing you yeah know, luck and timing right. also plays yeah. into it yeah, I do think I do definitely agree. With you. I think so many authors take it to heart and, you know, take it to like, I just tried to talk down. I say like, you know, one of those authors was like, oh, I, I, I looked at her blurbs. I looked at her books. I'm like, they sound fantastic. I said, I haven't seen you. I said, I look under rocks for people. I'm like, I'm all over TikTok, whatever I said. I think that's just the problem. I said, is just, you know, you're, you're whatever's going on. You're just not able to find your audience. And I feel like I've had that talk this year in particular with more and more people and I'm like, you know, and I'll read something of theirs or I'll look at the blurb or something. I'm like, everything looks great, you know, and everything looks interesting. They have great cover art. I'm like, you know, it's just, I think it's what, 10,000 books a day are published on Amazon. So I think the hardest thing is just, you know, finding your audience and, you know, at this point, getting it out there. But you're totally right. There's so many different ways. You know, I think if something's not working, try to mix it up. I knew somebody that was, you know, only on Kindle and was terrified of going wide because that was all of his income. But then he went wide and, you know, he, end up doing really, really well. So yeah, I was, um, I was in Kindle, um, Kindle Unlimited for probably a decade. Oh, wow. And I was afraid to, you know, go oh, wide. Sure. Beginning yeah. of the year, I'm like, you know, I've been, I heard too many horror stories about authors losing, losing their accounts for whatever reason. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's not really, financially viable anymore to put all your eggs in one basket. So at least for me, I mean, it, you know, KU works really well for a lot of authors. So I, I pulled all my stuff out and I went wide and I, I have not regretted it. Oh, that's interesting. I'm going to have to make a note of that because I'm trying to see different people who have done that. 
and try to see what some of the I just find that interesting because I like you said, like some people, you know, it doesn't work for some people it does. And that to me, that's always interesting, you know, to see. But I, I definitely think you're right. I think it's a gamble, right? Because you're like, well, here's my income. <laughs> it's yeah. Got well, I imagine it's gotta be pretty scary. Well, you know, and then another thing as an author, you have to think about your readers. You know, I've had so many readers say, you know, are your books ever gonna be available on Barnes and Noble for mm. Nook? You know, I have a Nook. And that was kind of another deciding factor. Um, I want to make my work available for, you know, whoever, you know, if you're on Kobu, if you're on Nook um, or, or what have you, you know, you're going to be able to read my books if you want to. So I feel like that's very fair. I was just, I just, it's just funny because I've, I've talked to several authors about that recently and they're like, oh yeah, I'm not sure this and that. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I, I just feel personally like, I feel like I would try it. You know, you can always switch it back. I, you know, yeah. Some, mm-hmm. Like you said, right. Some people really dipped it. I think you have to be ready for like a roller coaster. Like it's going to dip mm-hmm. and it's either going to start to climb and get better or it's not. And then you have to go back. But I, I do yeah. understand, you know, having that feeling that it feels like you're, you know, you're going backwards. But Yeah. I'm, I'm giving it a year. So, you know, cause yes. like you said, you can always go back. Yeah. That seems to be what most people are doing now that I've talked to like, like 10 to 12 months seems to be like their thing. But I knew a guy that, you know, he was at 11 and a half months. His wife went and did the same thing. She blew up and then he waited almost a year and he was just like, I can't do it anymore. And he went back into Kindle Unlimited. And then his next book, he saw how well she was doing. He decided he was going to go wide and he just stuck it out. And it took about a year. But after that, I mean, he really just picked up traction. So it is very interesting though, to see, you know, what different people have done and I feel like never count yourself out, you know, right. <laughs> so interesting. It's an interesting thing to do. Uh, so for that second one, so what genre or genres do you currently write in? I write in uh, mystery, um, amateur sleuth mystery. Um, I have one thriller and then I have um, my urban fantasy series, urban fantasy detective series, which is Night's Fall and Nightshade. It looks so cool. <laughs> I saw, I think that's what really caught my eye was like, you must've shared at some point. I think it was a little bit, I don't think it was like a recent TikTok. And, I, but I was just was like, what is that book? <laughs> I like immediately like put it on my wish list. I can't stand now that on my Android, I can't just buy Kindle books. Cause I have to like add a wish list now. And then I have to remember like when I get paid this week, like I got to go back through the wish list, you know, and and go back through, but it was kind of fun the other day because I was going through and I was like buying certain books and stuff. So you're on my list for Friday. So I'm like really, really excited about that. But yeah, I was like, this sounds cool. It looks really cool. Uh, cover was absolutely amazing. Like absolutely blew my mind. Um, reminded me of, um, oh, we had this like storyteller that would come around and he would act out his stories. And the guy was, at a, I never thought about it, but he was an amazing writer. Ooh. And um, he, yeah, he, he looks just like your character <laughs> and even like facial expressions. And I was just like, it, it took me, I felt like I was a kid again at the library listening to, you know, his, um, his, he did like our early, like young adult, like urban fantasy tale and stuff. And he wasn't like a detective, but it was, it was very similar. So it was really cool. It was very, very nostalgic for me. So um, yeah, but that was really neat. Uh, so what is your Xavier Knight series about and how did you come up with this idea? Okay, so Xavier Knight is a fallen angel. He was kicked out of heaven. Um, he thinks it's because of a romance he had with a, a human woman 
that caused another one of his charges because he's a guardian angel to die. Um, and then he finds out that that's not really why he lost his wings. And it's going to be like, you know, I think the TikTok you saw, I said that Burn Notice, the, the show Burn yeah, Notice. Yeah, that's the one. Yep. yep. Was um, the probably the biggest inspiration for um, Night's Fall because I love that show. And, you know, Michael Weston was a spy who got burned. You know, I think what the tagline was, spies don't get fired, they get burned. Yeah. So, you know, my whole thing was angels don't get fired, they get clipped. So um, over the course of the books, I'm only up to book two, he's going to find out the real reason why, just like Michael Weston through the oh, whole awesome. series finds out, you know, he's he's helping other people on the side, but his main motivation is trying to find out who burned him. So that's the same thing with Xavier. Um, he's in New Orleans, kind of solving supernatural crimes. Um, he's a loner. He's grumpy. He's antisocial. Um, but, you know, his first big case, he's going to have to save the world. So he's got to kind of rely on people in a way that he hadn't been used to since he, he fell to earth. So the first book is about a supernatural drug, a threat to humanity with a supernatural drug. The second book is kind of, it takes place a month later and he's trying to find a, a woman's missing sister. So, but yeah, they're, they're fun books to write. Um, I got the idea um, to set it in New Orleans. Um, I'm a retired librarian and we had our annual convention in New Orleans, like the year after Katrina. Oh, wow. And, you know, I just went and, you know, that's, I like to think that New Orleans is just another character in the book because oh, wow. the city is just, I don't know if you've ever been, it's just so atmospheric, um, so much history there. So I was like, it would be great to set a book here. Yeah. So that's when I decided, you know, the um, Xavier Knight series will be set in New Orleans. Oh, that's so cool. I'm just a huge fan of, I haven't gotten to go to New Orleans. Uh, my wife went there for with some friends for a bachelorette party. And I, I, was, I told her, I'm so jealous. Like as a history teacher, I'm like, that's one place that I always have wanted to go and um, have been to Louisiana yet. So it's on our list uh, really soon, but I, one of my favorite characters from the Valiant um, comic universe, Shadow Man, is from there and has ancestors there for a, a very long time uh, and like Creole background and just like the coolest mythology. So when when I saw New Orleans, I was like sold because <laughs> like, I, I have so many characters that I love from, you know, from that spot. Um, the Cloak and Dagger series for Freeform, uh, they're from, you know, New Orleans and yeah, I just feel like, like you said, New Orleans itself is, I feel like just as a city in terms of our country is a very, you know, it's, it is its own character. And I think it's cool when you can find a, a setting, you know, or a city that becomes its own character. Cause I feel like, you know, your world building just it adds a lot to it. So yeah, that's, that was the other thing. I was just like cover. I went, <laughs> All right. Fallen angel. I was now outside of New Orleans. I was like, so uh, that's super cool. Um, yeah, I love burn notice. That was definitely the TikTok. I love burn notice. So I thought, I thought that was such a good use of free advertising by you personally, because, you know, I'm one of those people, like I love Michael West, but like, I West and I work with kids and, you know, I'm, I'm like that, like, don't hurt it. Like I always loved his character. Cause like, he's always very gruff or whatever. And yeah, he helps people, but then, you know, he's got those redeeming qualities of, 
you know, like never hurt a kid near him because then you'll just be right. screwed kind of thing. And right. always connected with him and, you know, the other characters I like to, you know, Phoebe and, you know, Sam and all them. So I just was like, oh, I was like, I have to now watch the rest of this TikTok. <laughs> so you got me thinking, you know, oh, like what kind of shows, you know, like, do I like that have inspired me? Like, you know, could I do something like that? So I thought that, that was really cool. Oh, I know I was going to ask you. So did you start writing your mysteries and thrillers first or your urban fantasy? I started out with my mystery, my mystery series. So I have a um, mystery series. It's the Kendra Clayton mystery series. It's set in a small town in Ohio. They're not cozies. They're traditional mysteries. They have, you know, cussing and all that in them. Um, And I'm up to book six on that one. And that's the series that I started. And I'm still writing that. I didn't write... The first Xavier book came out from, so this was the journey with the Xavier book. I wrote Night's Fall. I had um, a couple of um, publishers that were kind of interested in it, but we could never come to terms on the contract. Mm -hmm. I wasn't represented by an agent, but if you're a member of the, I think it's the Writers Guild, they have a free service where a lawyer will look over your contract for you and give you. And I had, I had a a lawyer look over the contract from, um, I'm not going to say the publisher. It's, this is a publisher that was created by an author, a popular author. And I'm not going to say what it is because I think they're still in business, but the contract was horrible. And she red flagged so much stuff. And I kept trying to work with them and trying to work with them. And then finally, they're just like, well, we're just going to have to pass. And I'm like, well, you know, okay, you know, I tried. So obviously this isn't the the place for for Night's Fall. So then I don't know if you remember, um, Kendall had a contest where, um, oh gosh, what was it called? I can't even remember what it was called now, but it was kind of like American Idol for books. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I just, to, I just talked to another author who was in that. I I know what you're talking about. I'm totally blanking what it's called. And um, I got enough votes that they published, and they had a, a publishing company called Kindle Press. It's it's defunct now. It's not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's how Night's Fall became published through Kindle Press. Um, then when they started to you know, they kind of dissolved and they weren't doing it anymore. I asked for my rights back and then I published it, you know, with a different cover. And so it came out in, Night's Fall came out in 2015. So it's an older book who's kind of found a little bit of traction on TikTok. You know, TikTok has been amazing for, for authors yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I found a, a whole new audience for Night's Fall through TikTok. But, you know, there was a five-year gap between book one and book two because I was writing, you know, my other series too. So the second book, Nightshade, it just came out in February. So I'm hoping now that I'm retired and I have more time to write, I can, you know, get rid of those big gaps between books. Well, I do think 2015, I, I mean, that was just such, it's, I felt like that was such a hard year too for, for urban fantasy. I mean, you just, you had um, certain Dresden books were coming out, Briggs, you know, Patricia Briggs. I felt like it was, you know, like those years before it was like, you know, it's picking up traction as urban fantasy was, fantasy was picking up traction. You had like Kevin Hurd and things like that. 
But then even some of those people that I was looking at, I was talking to actually, um, um, Shawnee McGuire had on for season one. So I was talking to her and, you know, she said like, she wasn't quite sure, you know, at that time, like she thought maybe, you know, and Faith Hunter, I saw an article said, she thought maybe she was done at that point with that character. And then all of a sudden, like it started to pick up traction. I think it's because the movie started to stop doing, you know, so many things. And so some of the sci-fi shows, um, you know, alphas and things like that were starting to be, you know, be done and people were starting to look for an audience again. But I definitely was seeing a lot of different things with the urban fantasy market. So, but now I feel like, you know, we have less of those things now, you know, in terms of television shows and stuff, Supernatural is still there, obviously, but I think now, you know, you're getting some of those other readers, some of those people like myself who are nostalgic for early Supernatural days or, you know, Jim, but whatever, you know, in urban fantasy or Patricia Briggs. And I think you have some of these younger readers coming in too. So yeah, that's really interesting though. Yeah. I'm glad that TikTok's been, been working for you. And yeah. I, I always yeah. Like it's working for me too, because I have found a lot of books such as yours that I'm just like, <laughs> my wife's like, are you still on TikTok? I'm like, I am not finding books on TikTok. I promise you. So hopefully now that we're in season two, she stopped watching all these because she's going to like come in here and be like, I thought you were done buying books. But, um, yeah, I, we have this thing where like, you know, like I just, I love Kindle now because it's like, I can just pick up people that I had on the podcast you know, instantly and, you know, and read and then review. I just feel like it's, it really has made things so much easier, but I was called TikTok and Twitter, like my watering hole. I just like, just like waiting there for, you know, an author to come by. And then I like throw the bait out there, you know, and try and get them on. So it's been, it's been very, very nice. I've had, I think you're the fifth person on TikTok I've had in the last like two weeks. So uh, in particular, it's, yeah, this year in particular, I think I've had like 20 authors from TikTok. Um, that I found just literally within the last maybe like seven or eight weeks. So it's been, I just got out of TikTok recently. So, and now I'm like addicted to all the book talk stuff. So, um, so for that fourth one, how did you go about your world building process? You know, I didn't really have a world building process in place when I started writing the book. I had a vague idea of who, who Xavier was, where he came from, what his journey was going to be like. And then the other supernatural elements just kind of fell into place as I was writing. Um, you know, I, I see other authors, authors and their processes with their world building and they have, you know, sticky notes and big, big, you know, whiteboards and you know, there's this whole, you know, mythology behind, you know, what they're writing. And I, I just don't, that's not part of my process. It's kind of just as I go along you know, if it feels right for the plot, you know, I'll plug something in. So I don't have any kind of, I guess all that to say, I don't have a really complicated world building process when I write. It just kind of comes to me. Yeah. Well, now this is the second part of my question. Do you feel that you just had so much of the, you know, like the the mystery and the thriller background that, because I consider like, you know, mysteries and thrillers in particular to have like their own world building um, you know, or set situations or, you know, certain tropes and things like that. I just was curious, do you think that you, you know, just coming with that background and him being a detective that you maybe already had a lot of those, you know, mysterious well, yeah. elements? Yeah, now that I think about it, you mentioned, yeah, yeah, um, the mystery, the mystery element was probably as important as the paranormal element. And, you know, that's my thing, you know, that's what I write. So I think once that all that was in place, all the supernatural stuff just kind of 
fell into place too. Yeah, yeah. I just always find it interesting to ask people that, like yourself, who have the mystery thriller background, because, you know, like I have certain characters that, you know, for urban fantasy that I'm trying to write, and I would love to do something, you know, like your book. Um, I just, I don't have the mystery or thriller background. So I'm trying to study those types of, you know, writing. But right now I've been reading a couple of books that talk, you know, about like, you know, about the things that you need, you know, for your genre. And I feel that, I think that's why what people like so much about like, you know, like your book, you know, Dresden Files, um, even like Briggs, you know, like I do find it interesting to step outside of a uh, your typical urban fantasy. And I like having different elements like mystery, you know, I like them having to solve it. I like almost where like the urban fantasy stuff, you know, you don't really notice it as much because you're trying to solve a, you know, a crime or a mystery or you know, figure it out. I just think it's, it's just so much nicer with reading so much fantasy that you just get something a little different. I also like the horror genre when it's in with, you know, fantasy as well. Richard Lee Byers does a lot of that. Um, uh, you know, Anna Stevens, I talked to her yesterday. She does that. I just always, I always like stuff like that. So I think, you know, like urban fantasy is just cool when you can add, you know, a mystery or, or thriller in there, because it just, I think it just adds a lot of flavor to urban fantasy just in general. So mm -hmm. I was just, I, I was curious because a couple of people I had on that I asked the same question, they were, you know, talking about that and saying, well, I already came in with like 65% of this, you know, mystery or thriller background and its own world building and, you know, the things you have to do. And um, one author said that he just kind of sprinkled urban fantasy stuff in, um, you know, around his character. Like instead of going to talk to this person who's a human, they talked to them and they were like a, you know, like a vampire or something like that yeah exactly yeah, yeah. I, I have i have that in both those books you oh, know cool. he's investigating um and the person he has to go to for information isn't human oh, cool. so yeah and that that's those kind of things are easy to do yeah i think maybe if i was just doing straight urban fantasy that might be maybe a little harder but yeah, got the, the mystery structure in place and he's already going to talk to people or finding evidence, you know, it's easy to swap out yeah. a human with, you know, a shifter or something like yeah. that. That's where I was thinking like, oh, I was like, maybe I'll just like go study mystery because I have always thought, like, I've always really enjoyed mysteries. I grew up reading Boxcar Children, Hardy Boys, and then, you know, like adult stuff. Uh, I love Lee Child, you know, things like that. So I'm like, well, maybe it was like, maybe it make it a little bit easier for me, you know, but I like to study structure and stuff. But yeah, I think I give you guys credit because I don't think I have a mystery mind. I love mysteries, but I don't think I necessarily have a, a, a you know, like a mystery writing mind. So I feel like I have to kind of build up to it. But yeah, I give you guys credit because I'm always like, how do you I'm like, how do you figure out this and that and then put that in there, you know, and make it interesting. So right. I, I think it's, I think that's why people like mysteries and, you know, and thrillers so much, you know, I think it's, um, I personally think it's a more complicated form of writing, um, you know, and then once you have it down, I think, you know, the blueprint, uh, like you said, I think the blueprint matches a little bit and it's a little bit better. Um, you know, I think fantasy sometimes there's almost, how I write at least think there's almost too much to do. So then it's hard for me, you know, to figure out exactly where I want them to go or who they, like you said, like who they want to talk to and, and things like that. But I think definitely more people studying a, you know, different writing styles or structures, you know, that will definitely help for their own writing. But yeah, that's, that's super cool. Uh, so, okay. So you are an author of several different mystery and thriller series. And how do you go about planning a mystery or a thriller? Well, usually I'll have a general idea and then I'll write like a chapter outline of everything that's supposed to happen in each chapter. 
um, just so I can get started writing because I don't always stick to it 100%. I usually, the end product usually ends up being 75% to 80% of, of what I wrote because, you know, things change oh, yeah. all the time. Um, but, you know, like I'll, I'll get an idea like I did with, you know, Burn Notice for Night's Fall. And, you know, I'll start kind of um, tossing ideas around in my head like, you know, why, why did he get clipped? You know, what's he gonna do? Um, and then just, just kind of write it, just kind of write it up just so I can get started. Because like I said, things, things will change. I know um, I'm a plotter, so it has to be plotted out before yeah. I can start writing. So uh, what I always know is how it's gonna start and how it's gonna end. But getting from the beginning to that ending is a whole whole nother journey so and i have to plot it all out yeah because the first time i tried to pants a book it took four years to write so, <laughs> so yeah which is actually pretty quick compared to other pantsers i don't want to point fingers at anybody <laughs> or anything <laughs> yeah i we were just talking about that with another uh person that, like last week uh that i talked to privately on twitter and stuff and I told him, I was like, I can, he's like, how's draft two of your fantasy novel coming? I was like, I don't want to talk about it. He goes, I bet you the next one, you're going to really plot things out. Right. I said, Oh, instead of spending like 14 years writing, I said, I'm going to spend like, you know, 14 months plotting this thing out and, you know, no, I want to know who sneezes in what chapter, you know, or (laughs) things like that. But yeah, that's, I think that's the problem with myself is I'm not the best plotter. So I think that's where, you know, when I want to do a mystery, I'm like, well, I don't know you know, what's going to happen here and there. So I think that that's personally, when I'm looking recently, I think that's my downfall more. So I definitely think well, that you know, my audience have the same problem. I don't feel like I have to know every single thing. I have to have a vague <laughs> idea of what's going to happen. I don't have to know every single thing because it's always, always going to change. Oh, yeah. So. yeah. Well, I felt like at this time I did a pretty good job though. Yeah. I went and I was like, okay, I got this, this. And then I like was actually able to do chapter by chapter. And like you said, I, I had a lot changed, but it was nice. I felt like it was more concise. I felt like I was halfway there from being, you know, <laughs> a plotter now. So definitely picking up some. some <laughs> uh, so do you find that writing mysteries and thrillers helps your writing urban fantasy stories? Well, yeah. Yeah. Like we said, um, I already had that structure in place, that mystery structure in place. Um, so then I just, you know, like the other author you interviewed said, sprinkled the, the paranormal <laughs> stuff stuff in there. Um, but I think any kind of book that you write is going to put you in a good place to write whatever, sure. whatever it is you want to write, especially if you're an avid reader in that particular genre. So um, I think just writing in general, you know, no matter what the genre. So yeah, it definitely does help. Yeah. So like my next little add on to that question would be, do you, so what, what do you think is, do you think it's more interesting at time writing urban fantasy mysteries because that you can add those different elements? I just was curious about that. Yeah. I have a lot of fun writing the, the Xavier Knight series because of that, you know, you can, you know, it's your world building. So you're building this, this world in, regular rules don't apply. You can make up your own rules. That's the best part about it. You know, you're, you're building something where, you know, your system of justice could be different than what it is in real life or, 
Um, laws can be different. Um, just, you know, you can do anything you want and yeah. it's great. I just see like your, I just, as soon as I saw your blurb and, you know, said that he was a fallen angel, my writer mind just went crazy because I just thought of all the cool things. Like, cause I thought, well, they probably have some sort of different type of justice system, you know, if he's being kicked out and, you know, I thought just all the world building things or just the urban fantasy things, you know, just started to spring to mind. And I was like, oh, that's just got to be cool. You know, like backgrounds the, and things. Like, right. One of the coolest scenes or my favorite scenes that I wrote is what happened to Xavier. He was kicked out. He fell. He lands. What happens to him after he lands? And he lands in an alley in New Orleans. And it's like, what happens to him? Because, you know, he's no longer an angel, he's human now. And what's the process that happens from the time he lands until, you know, the aftermath of him leaving that alley and how he leaves that alley. That was probably the funnest thing I've ever written because it just, you have to really draw on your imagination yeah. of, you know, okay, so what was his life like when he was an angel and how is that going to change now that he's human and what was that process, you know, because it involves some pain. So, yeah, so yeah uh, that was one of the funnest things. And, you know, I just made that up, you know, completely. And you can do that in urban fantasy. Yeah. I mean, unless, unless you're following like folklore, yeah. You know, you know, there's rules there that, you know, people are going to ding you on. No, that's not, you know, the way, you know, this story goes or whatever, but, you know, any other thing you can just kind of throw the kitchen sink in there, everything but the kitchen sink and you can just do whatever you want. And that's just the appeal of the urban fantasy. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. As long as you make the, the world make sense. I yeah, mean, yeah, to, yeah. You know, there has to be <laughs> some sense involved there. It can't just be completely, you know, you have Got to make it. the magical world, your system, yeah. the magical system makes sense. I just laugh so hard because I'm in book eight of Malazan Book of the Fallen and Steven Erickson, like, we're like, okay, the magic system is this way and this is how people react and this and that. And then he just completely changed something in book eight. And I'm like, I had to stop reading for like a day. I was so mad. I was like, no, we just read like seven books that it's this way. And, you know, now all of a sudden it's this thing, you know, it's like we just turned gravity on its head. So it definitely like it, I got back in, but it, it threw me out for a minute. And when we were book club and I was like, he can't do that. You can't do that. Like I said, Brandon Sanderson said that you can't switch rules like that. So clearly you can't do that. But yeah, I feel like, you know, right. As long as you're being consistent with those rules, right. It definitely mm -hmm. makes sense. But that always drives me nuts when you get a character who you're like, oh yeah, they're done with their spells or whatever. And then all of a sudden they, they just dig deeper and then do the thing. And you're like, well, wait a minute. Like, seems like kind of like a, you know, the writer's trying to get out of a writing scenario or something. Yeah. And if, if you're going to do that, you better explain it very yeah. well. And it yeah. better make sense. Yeah. Better be a really good plot hole. Bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. And I think that's why, like, yeah, I think that's why certain characters always stick with me. Cause I'm like, I like the authors that stick to those things. Like I like Patricia Briggs. Cause it's like, it's like mercy. You clearly can tell there's something funky about her. And, you know, she's either more lucky than other people or something, but it's not like she's, you know, like she's still a human, you know, it's not like she all of a sudden gets super strength or something and then, you know, tears everybody apart. It seems like she just squeaks by 
barely surviving these stories and you're just kind of contrib- contributed to luck. Whereas now I'm, you know, deep enough in the book, I'm like, maybe it's a little bit more than luck, but it's not like glaringly obvious or, you know, it, but it also seems like she's sticking to, you know, a consistent plot that's building over time, like an overarching plot. But I've right. seen some people just plow through and just do whatever and yeah. they don't get through very many of their books that way. But Well, I will say one thing unless you keep consistent notes or you have a series Bible, sometimes it's, you know, you throw stuff in there and then you have to go back, you know, oh, I can't do it this way because I set it up this way back in book three. I can't do change it in book six. <laughs> so sometimes it's hard to remember. You got to keep all that, keep track of all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that makes total sense. Yeah. I know uh, Robert Jordan's had like 1,400 pages or something (laughs) like something something crazy but yeah that's definitely a good idea I've been collecting notes myself and I definitely encourage anybody in the audience if you're writing to to definitely do that it definitely helps with consistency um this is definitely what I want to ask you so if your future author self came back to tell you one thing what would you want it to be start writing sooner (laughs) oh that's a good one (laughs) I didn't start writing my first novel until I was in my late 20s. I wish I had started 10 years earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, looking back, I'm not even really sure. I don't know if it was fear or lack of confidence or or what it was and why I started when I started. But if I had to go back and tell myself something, it would definitely be start writing sooner. I, I definitely agree with that. <laughs> definitely agree. I think that I, I just think that's, you know, I think now just recently people are like, oh yeah, you can do that because they see all these indie publishers do it, you know, and it's like Roger Bannister, the first person that ever broke the four minute mile barrier. It's like nobody did up until that time. They didn't think it could be done. So they didn't do it. But then once he did it, thousands of people, including high school kids have broken it. And, you know, well, what's the difference? They know it's been done. I think now with indie publishing, people are like, oh, I know somebody that wrote a book or my friend wrote a book or my mom wrote a book or something, you know? So I think now it's like the barriers are really coming down and, you know, you don't, like you said earlier, like you don't need to wait on, you know, these publishers if you don't want to, you can literally just put out a product, good or bad, and, you know, and you can put it out. So I think now just people seeing that more, I think, you know, it is making people be like, oh, I can do this. But I do agree with that. I just think that, it was hard, you know, in the past, um, you know, particularly 90s and 2000s, like you said, with traditional publishing, I think it just, I think a lot of people just didn't feel like it could be done. I was like still writing stuff, but I didn't even bother to submit, you know, and mm-hmm. now I'm like kicking myself, you know, like, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. That's definitely mine as well. So I can definitely understand that feeling. Uh, do you have any promos, current projects, news, updates, anything like that, that you'd like to share with us? Um, I'm in the process of getting all my books in audio. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of people that ask, you know, I'd read this, but, you know, I only listen to audiobooks, And I listen to audiobooks a lot, too. So I'm in the process of, of trying to do that. Um, and just, you know, hopefully I'll have another uh, Xavier book out, made possibly early next year. Oh, cool. um, so... Yeah, um, every once in a while I'll do, you know, if people join my newsletter, they'll they'll find out about um, sales, you know, like promotions and things that I have, because I do those. I'm usually in one of those, some kind of promotion <laughs> every month. Um, so you can get one or more of my books for, for free or discounted. Oh, awesome. So, yeah. Well, audiobooks are, I, 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 
had a friend who we had on the podcast like twice and she, her next book's about to come out. So I'll have her here in the fall. And I just saw that she sold 50,000 audiobooks recently. Oh my so gosh. You gotta think, right? Like she was yeah. struggling. She was struggling, you know, with book two and, you know, she had just gotten book two done. And then she was like, Oh, you know, I talked to her privately before our interview. She said, Dan, I just don't know about this. Like, I don't know if I'm you know, doing the right thing. I said, I said, please do not stop. You know, I'm like, you just have to find your audience. I'm like, you're only, you know, on book two. It's not even out yet. I said, when you publish book two, I said, I really think that, you know, people see that. I said, I think they'll really start to flock. And, um, you know, so she was just like, yeah, I'm just going to do this thing. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then, you know, I, I couldn't believe it. I just felt so happy for her because I just remember. Yeah, us I, I love hearing stories like that. Yeah, yeah. That's why I do the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping like one time, like one time, like, so if anybody in the audience wants to just share, share, share for Angela here, I just want one time for somebody to be like, oh, Dan, you're up to like 1 million views because I just know that's going to help somebody with sales. Like I will feel so accomplished if it just happens one time. So yeah, I was like, oh, I just felt really good there. I was like, oh, well, and you know, you know, people are looking for stuff to read. Some of the TikToks that I do that are get the most views are when I'm recommending other people's books yeah, yeah. and recommending other authors. People are just so readers are so hungry for books yeah. to read. So yeah. Yeah. And then you got you got book dragons <laughs> like me that love buying them and then are too busy writing to read them, but I just like to have them as my wife says. <laughs> She's like, you're totally a dragon. You just don't do it. You don't care about money. She's like, the only thing you want money for is to buy more books so you can right. just hoard them. But <laughs> I'm like, they look so nice though, you know? Yeah, they do. <laughs> well, Angela, I really appreciate you coming on. It was such a great, you know, time talking to you and I really look forward to, you know, to reading your books. Um, I do have book one on my Kindle. So as soon as I can kick my butt and finish um, the few book reviews that I have in between, um, I will definitely get to it before I do. I will let you know that way you can be on the outlook for it. Uh, but, you know, I, I want to remind our audience, just don't forget all of Angela's socials and book links can be found in the description everywhere, wherever you're listening or watching this video or podcast. So make sure you click, go buy your books. And as always, please make sure to review any books from any author that you read because that's really their lifeline <laughs> to other readers and sales. So thank you so much, Angela. If there's anything else I can do for you, you know, you just get a hold of me on TikTok email and I'll help you in any way I can. Okay. Thank you so much, Dan. It was fun. Yeah. Thank you so much. Anytime you want to come back, you let me know and we'll okay, chat mystery or thrillers, urban fantasy, whatever you want. So. Okay, great. Thank you. Not a problem, Angela. You have a great rest of the day and I'll talk to you later. Okay, you too. Bye-bye.